The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on the Horn. the sports complex on a Tuesday afternoon on the show today we will start to get in to the big 12 championship game Oklahoma State versus Texas coming up on Saturday morning we'll get more into that Patrick's big fat poll of the day got some questions for you there play some some good interviews from hook up with Ian Robbie this morning college ball playoff rankings come out lots of talk about the college football playoff rankings as they come out today around 6 o'clock. Talk a little NBA 2, a matchup of two Texas teams tonight, and the man Draymond Green returns to action after a suspension against a team that he has once been suspended against. We'll get into all that, and of course your text, 512-447-3776. 512-447-3776 is the text line number. Hit us up there with your questions, your comments, whatever you want to talk about. We'll get to the polls of the day as well. All of that coming up on the show today. How you're feeling about this Texas program on a Tuesday. We celebrated on the weekend. We celebrated uh, through on Monday. It felt pretty good to get through. Uh, you know, We had to wait an extra day because we had the game on Friday and then we waited and couldn't talk about it, and then other things happened, and then there was almost a huge celebration because some of those teams you need to win in front of you or two to lose in front of you almost lost. But Texas still is in an okay place. They're in an okay place. We will know how okay today in the second hour of the show. We'll find out how okay or how unokay the team is going to be because it's going to depend on what is said in that room and, and what – criteria they judge and you know if this is going to be and I've said this is kind of one of those you know maybe unfair years for a lot of people because the Pac-12 and the Big Ten are merging uh, and so many teams and I know the Big 12 is getting some of them but those guys weren't as powerful of a uh, conference and the Big 12 guys going there don't like Texas either Uh, but the Big Ten I think is going to have a ton of power because they've always had a lot of power, and then you add in the fact that they're getting some of these powerful Pac-12 schools as well. It could give them a lot of power in this poll, and we'll see where Ohio State ends up after taking the loss. We know in the AP they did not move down as far as we thought they may, and the coaches they didn't move down as far as we thought they may, but we'll see in the in the college ball playoff poll where Texas is lined up in the second hour of today's show, but Texas, before they can talk about anything else, has to take care of business. They have to be able to beat Oklahoma State. They have to be able to beat Oklahoma State well enough. You know, if you want to talk about the, the you know the the style wins, we can say 
you know, after Texas beat Iowa State handily enough, covered the spread at Iowa State, they covered the spread easily against Texas Tech and put a whooping on them. You know, this is a Texas team now that is winning those games as well as they should. We know that Georgia has had a little bit of issues in the last couple of weeks. We know Alabama has had some issues in the last couple of weeks. We know Washington has had some issues in the last couple of weeks. We know Ohio State didn't blow anybody out that was any good all season long, and they lost to the team that was we knew was better than them. So if we're looking at style points, Texas is not far behind the style point. Oregon is the only team that's running away in the style point uh, realm. However, Texas, Oregon also went and beat Texas Tech by eight. Texas beat them by fifty. I just, just if we want to look at one common opponent, just gonna say, just gonna say that. But Texas got to handle their business against Oklahoma State. They're fourteen and a half point favorites right now, which means you'd like to win by by more than two scores. You'd like to win by three scores. That's a pretty rough time to go in a championship game. You know, it is it is a team that you should be able to beat. It's a team that we've seen have come back week after week with Oklahoma State. We've seen them be able to fight through adversity and get back on the board and get back into some of these games. Sark spoke to the media yesterday talking about OK State. Here's what he said to get our conversation going. Um, we know... Uh you know we're headed we're headed to Arlington Saturday. You know 11 a.m. competing for for a Big 12 championship, and um, you know quite frankly that's been our mission and that's been our focus all year was to be champions this year, uh, and we've earned that right. Um, and we've got ourselves in position to do that. Uh, to think in the last 27 he- years here at Texas, there's only been three conference championships. Uh, and so we, we don't take this lightly. Uh, we know the challenge that it is to, A, make it to the game, and then, B, to ultimately win that game. Uh, so to be the fourth team to do it here in 27 years would, would be a heck of a deal if we could get it done. Um, but we also know it's a great challenge. Um, you know, Oklahoma State's a very good football team. i uh, got a ton of respect for Coach Gundy and what he's been able to do this year. Um, you know, after kind of getting out to a 2-2 two and two start, making kind of a philosophical change, especially offensively, uh, to go 7-1 and one in their last eight games. Um, you know, a very, a, a very good team and making adjustments. Uh, they're a great second-half team when things aren't going their way, most notably the last couple weeks, their, their ability to adapt to the game. And so we know it's going to be a four-quarter game. Uh, we know it's going to be a, a heck of a challenge for us. But I think our guys are, are, are up for the challenge. Um, you know, the, the one thing... With this group that I'm coming to find out is it's kind of business as usual. You know, I was you, you walk in, you don't feel something different in the air in the sense of, you know, the guys are focused and they want to be dialed into the plan, but it's kind of business as usual. So that's, uh, that's how the week will go, and it won't be any different from a travel perspective and things of that nature. So um, looking forward to it. So one of the big things you're going to hear all week long, and we'll keep talking about all week long, is that Oklahoma State is a four-quarter team. You, you watch a game against BYU where everybody was watching because it, it depended if Texas was going to play Oklahoma State or Oklahoma, and at halftime, Oklahoma State is getting killed. And you could sit there, and I was sitting there watching with friends, and I told them, take whatever, whatever the Oklahoma State will cover the second half. They're going to come back. I don't know if they'll win. I know they'll come back, though. They'll put a fight in. And one of the things they've found – that's gotten them back in games, and it didn't work in one game. And the UCF game, and I mean, that's an anomaly for a couple reasons, but the UCF game was the game where they went down early and were never able to come back in that game. And there's a couple things you can look at in that game 
there is possible reasons why Oklahoma State wasn't able to come back. Now, they're like Tech in one of the main categories of why they're better in the second half of the season than they were in non-conference, which is they found their running back in Ollie Gordon, and they just started to ride Ollie Gordon. And they got that running game going. The offensive line has been blocking wonderfully for him, and they got really going with that running game. And most teams, when you are behind big at halftime, are teams that will go to the passing game. They understand that that's probably not the best idea with their quarterback. Alan Bowman's an okay quarterback. He does all right, but he's got 10 touchdowns on the year, 11 interceptions. So if you're looking at a quarterback who may get you in more trouble than less, then you want to keep running the football. And they didn't start to stray away from their plan more. And I think when defenses got a little bit more laid back in the second half, thinking that an Oklahoma State team might start passing more, Oklahoma State continued to run the football, and Ollie Gordon was able to put up the crazy stats he's been able to put up. If you look at that one UCF game for Oklahoma State, where Oklahoma State gets creamed in that game, partly it is, yes, they it was you know not just on Ollie Gordon. It's not just on the game plan. This is after you beat Oklahoma, and you're you're pumped up, and I'm sure there's mental things, especially on that offensive line. But that was Ollie Gordon's worst yards per attempt. So he didn't get as many attempts because he's averaging roughly two yards per attempt in this game. So if Texas is able to slow down Ollie Gordon in this game, if you're able to take away his five, six, seven yards of carry that he does and, and break out runs, and you were able to slow down Ollie Gordon, there's not really the other side to this to this Oklahoma State offense that's really worked at any point in the season. Now, anything can happen in a game, and Mike Gundy might have a perfect formula, and you know he knows exactly what to do against Texas, and he's going to run those rub routes, and he's going to run uh, slants, and he's going to do everything he can to get some short passes and get Alan Bowman some confidence. But we know in that UCF game as well, Alan Bowman was picked off three times, no touchdowns. Not a good game for him either. Everything compounded. Something else you saw in that UCF game was that UCF kept their foot on the gas. Just like Texas did against Texas Tech, they kept their foot on the gas and never really tried to slow it down into a ground-and-pound game because Oklahoma State is going to play you well if you try and ground-and-pound them. But if you try to go out there and win with speed and talent, that's something that Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State does not have as much of. So you have to go out there and continue to press against him. You have to continue to rush. You have to continue to create pressure. And now that may, you know, you have to figure out those pressures that you're not letting running backs make big plays on you and not letting Ollie Gordon go on you. But you need to get pressure. And you can go help out, get help out by somebody. We know Ryan Watts is questionable for the game. We won't know until probably the Thursday presser if he, you know, where he's going to be. And I'm assuming it'll be a game time decision because that's normally how Sark runs. But we do know that. Manny Muhammad has stepped in in this game. Manny Muhammad is a guy who's going to play for the ball. And against Alan Bowman, this is probably a good thing to do. He's a guy who may not put the ball out there with the speed and the accuracy that he needs to, and you can make a big play or two to really shift this game going in the right direction. Here's Sark yesterday talking about Malik Muhammad. Well, you know, I think Manny, you know, Manny Muhammad has played – a good amount of football force this year you know I think we've we've done a good job of trying to rotate that secondary whether it's the safeties or the corners uh, and making sure a lot of guys are playing and getting their opportunities to play 
I, I think the one thing that Manny has is, A, I think he's got a really high football IQ. Um, so his recognition of things and formations and motions and, 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 and whatnot is pretty high. I think, two, he's a highly competitive guy. Uh, and I think, three, he, he provides a lot of competitive spirit. You know, he plays the game with, with some emotion. And, um, you know, I think inevitably for him, um, you know, when he can play at the line of scrimmage and he can play a physical brand of football, I think that's best suited to him. But he can play off, he can, he can play zone, he can do all of that. Um, but, but what I've liked about it is just his growth. And I know we've talked a lot of times about some other true freshmen on defense, you know, Anthony Hill, Derek Williams, but Manny Muhammad has steadily improved as the season's gone on, and we're seeing a pretty good version of him right now. And you're going to need to see that version because you're going to want to go out there and get Alan Bowman to throw the ball. You want to try and slow down Ollie Gordon as much as possible. And it may not be necessarily that you can stop him and do whatever, but if you can keep him under four yards of carry, get him in that three to two and a half to three yards of carry and get him, get some stops on the line and just be able to bring the pressure and bring him and set him down, it makes Mike Gundy have to question if he can keep running the ball. Now, if Texas can keep running the ball, I mean, UCF did go out there and run the ball on Oklahoma State as well and was able to have success doing that. If you're able to do that, you have to keep your averages up and their average down. I know that's kind of a basic sediment to football, but the reality is Texas has the weapons to run the ball, to throw the ball, and Oklahoma State has the weapon to run the ball. They have not had a lot of success passing the ball. So Texas is going to have to get out there and slow down this team. Now, you have Devondre Sweat. You have Byron Murphy. They're going to be in big games. This is something where they really feel that they're going to be able to put this team on their back because they know as well as anybody. Sark doesn't have to talk about it. Sark doesn't have to bring it in there. Sark is going to give his speech about this is what we're fighting for. This is the Big 12 championship. This is what matters. That's what he's going to come out and say, right? The players know. Devondre Sweat knows he doesn't want to end his season in a January bowl game. He wants to he wants to make the college ball playoff. Every one of them knows what they're aiming for. Now, you may may or may not make it. That's not fully up to you because you lost the Oklahoma game. And that's unfortunate, but that's the way it is. But you can go out there and those defensive linemen can make a huge impact in this game. But you know that you're right there as long as you can put up the points. We know we're going to get the college ball playoff poll here in a little bit. Sark was asked on Monday if he thinks his team is a contender and should be in the contention for the college football playoffs, here's his answer on Monday. Um, why wouldn't I? Okay, that's a better answer, and I'll move on to the next one. Okay, so I was exhausted by the end of Saturday. I, I don't, I don't I, you know, yeah, I really was a fan. You know, I came in early uh, Saturday morning to, you know, to watch the tape and to, and to get a lot of the – kind of the paperwork stuff done coming out of our ball game. And then I just started to become a college football fan like like I am. I didn't have to change. I mean, I loved watching some great games. And there was fantastic games Saturday. Um, but by the end of it, uh, when it was uh, Pac-12 after dark, you know, that little bit of the Pac-12 in me growing up in California, I tuned into the uh, – to the UCLA-Cal game that night, I was thinking to myself, man, I'm exhausted. I don't know how you guys do it every Saturday. Uh, I only have to worry about one game. You, you, you all have to worry about uh, a ton of games. But great games, great teams. Um, you, you could see the grit and perseverance in some teams that got kind of pushed to the brink. Um, and, and a lot of teams found a way to win games. A couple teams didn't. Um, 
and now here we go into the next weekend. And, and what is this all going to look like? So um, I, don't, I don't know why I wouldn't think we're a college football playoff contender. Um, we'll talk more about that, I'm sure, after the game Saturday. Uh, but we're in great position. Uh, but what I also know is we have to take care of our business like I touched on Friday. Um, we've got a huge game in front of us here Saturday. And, and there's, there is no college football playoff talk if we don't play really good Saturday and, and try to find a way to win that game. And if, if that happens, then, then there's another discussion to be had. But a lot of people got to play. A lot of good teams got to play one another. And, um, you know, we'll, the, the dust, like I say all the time to the team, the, the dust going to settle where it's supposed to. So we'll see what happens. Which is great. Yeah, you got to take care of your business. You got to do it. But it is the talk of the day because college football playoff comes out in a little bit. He also was asked about being close to it. And the difference this team is from years past where he's, you know, it's his first double-digit win season as a head coach, that this is kind of what you've been fighting for and, and getting there in year three of the program. This could have been a year four thing, but you're able to get the team where you need them to be and you have the players that are getting you. Here's Sark talking about being close to that college football playoff and and you're not just – is, does he think he's a team? Because he's already said, of course, what makes us not a team? But also, how does it feel to be this far into the season and your, your name's still in that picture? Uh, I mean, it's, it's awesome. Um, you know, one thing I, I, I talked to the team about today, actually on that point, was we didn't come this far just to come this far. And, and you know, there's more out there for us to accomplish. Um, and that was a great celebration Friday night, but that, that wasn't the end, right? That was just another checkpoint in the journey. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's awesome. And, and to think about the rare air, you know, I mean, I, 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 I'm in DKR every day. My office looks right into DKR. And to think in the last 27 years, there's only been three conference championships. And we're playing for one on Saturday where we can put our year up on, on the, in that stadium forever. Uh, that means a lot. You know, that, that's, that's something that we don't take lightly. Like, that's a big deal. And so um, we're fortunate that, that we've stayed healthy enough to get ourselves to this point. We're fortunate that we have the depth to, to withstand an injury when it comes up. Uh, but in the end, like, to be in this discussion – and to be playing for a conference championship, that's I know, that's why I came here. You know, not every school do you really get these opportunities, you know. And I feel like these are one of the places where you can. But it also, this doesn't have to be a, a one-time thing. This isn't, hey, this year we did it and I don't know what's going to happen in the next five or ten years. If we can do it right, you know, I don't want to say it's routine, but hopefully it's a little bit more consistent where we are in these discussions, where we are competing for conference championships, um, that, that we have uh, the pieces in place, not only from a roster management standpoint, but, um, but also a facility standpoint, a coaching staff standpoint, a support standpoint from administration to where um, this is what Texas football is. And so it took a lot of hard work to get to this point. Um, and, and so I try not to forget my first season here, I try not to forget some of the tough, um, tough games, the tough locker room speeches, the tough press conferences, uh, because that's a friendly reminder of, of how far we've come, uh, and, we, and we should be proud of that. We should be proud of the work that we've put in to get ourselves to this point. 
You should be proud, and you should be proud you whooped up on Texas Tech, and you should be proud you're in a position to go whoop up on Oklahoma State. Uh, this is a game on Saturday that you can look at in two ways. You can look at it in that the Iowa State game was a little scarier. They handled the business there. I was not that worried about Texas Tech, and they came out, and they did not seem worried, but they seemed like they had a point and an emphasis to make. Uh, and you can on Saturday show up with that we want to make a point and we you know feel disrespected and we feel that we need to go make a point that we're the best team not only in the Big 12 but we can be the best team in the country and you can come out and want to get into a fight on Saturday morning or you can come out and think that you know that this is already ready to go and you're thinking about the next team and you're worried about what's coming next and Oklahoma State's not a problem and they'll come and punch you right in the mouth because that's what a Mike Gundy team does. We'll talk more about the Oklahoma State game as the week keeps going on, of course, as we as we uh, get closer. And, uh, you know, we have a big show coming up planned for you on Friday as well and a big pregame show planned for you. And as much coverage Big 12 championship, it has been a long time since Texas has been there, and we're excited to be back there. So the Horn will be giving you a ton of coverage on Friday, uh, Friday afternoon and Saturday morning. Of course, hook them up with E and Rob B happening all week long as well. We'll be here on the Sports Complex all week long. I think my man Jacob's coming in uh, tomorrow as well. Then we'll keep previewing and we'll keep talking about Texas. But let's get to the Big Fat Poll today and get to some of your text messages. Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the Day on the Horn. Big Fat Poll of the Day today. Text number 512-447-3776. The number is 512-447-3776 to text in and talk with the show. A couple of questions for you today. This one is a whole season that long thing. We always ask you about who's your your MVP for the, you know, for the game. I want to ask you who's your MVP for the regular season for college football for Texas this year. Who is your MVP? Who do you say that's the reason that we're in a one-loss team right now that we can go on and put up the numbers that we can put up? We can be a 12-win team, a 13-win team, hell, maybe even a 14-win team if things happen the right way. Who's your MVP for the season? And because we have the college ball playoff rankings coming out in about you know 45 minutes or so, who is your top five ranking? Who are your top four? Sorry, top four. Who's in your college ball playoff? Does Texas get into your top four right now? Not what you're predicting it's going to be. Not what you're predicting it's going to be next week. But right now, if you had to rank your top four, where are you putting? What are you? Who are you putting in your top four? And what's your ranking? One through four. So we can kind of see what you guys think. I know some may be homers. I don't have Texas in my top five, in my top four right now, but I think they can get there. What is yours? Tell me on the text line. 512 512- Four four seven three seven seven six, and we will be right back on the Sports Complex on the Horn One Hundred One Nine AM Twelve Sixty, the Horn app, and HornFM.com. Drink my wine, plowman, dig my 
Back at the sports complex here on the horn. Playing Jimi Hendrix in honor of Jimi Hendrix's what would have been his birthday yesterday. We're playing it all week long because you can't go wrong with some Jimi Hendrix here on the horn. Uh, taking your text message, 512-447-3776 is the text line asking who your MVP for the season is, the regular season MVP for you, for the Longhorns. We're also asking you, what's your current top four rankings? Not what you think is going to happen, but what you what your top four is right now. If you were in the room and you were picking, who would be your top four before we get those announcements here in about 40, 35, 40 minutes? Uh, we'll know who the rankings are for the college wall playoff rankings going in to championship week. Uh, text lines open though. 512-447-3776. My man, chief engineer says, let's go. I am with you. Chief engineer. Always appreciate you being part of the show. Uh, locksmith Ryan says, what are your thoughts about the social media rumors that arch will be transferring next year? I see these posts pop up all the time. They're clickbait. Uh, there, there's no, I've not heard anything from anyone inside the program or anybody that's credible. I see. I hear much more insanely uncredible things in these than anything that's remotely credible. Uh, but yeah, to, I heard somebody had said since Quinn Ewers coming back for the next four years was that with somebody. Then they was like, why doesn't he go to Minnesota? I, <laughs> things like that. Um, Larry Scarlett said that he wants him to go to Ohio State. Everybody wants to go. I think the SEC teams would be much more likely. Just if we're going to have you know fake discussions, but I don't, I don't think he's transferring. I think Malik Murphy is much more likely to transfer. We still don't know about Quinn Ewers. There's reports his family has said that he is probably going to come back next year. But again, it depends how this season plays out. It depends on what the scouts in the NFL are saying about it. There's more to this than him just saying, "Ah, oh, no, I decided." You know, at points you can look at it and say, "Well, you know, if if a scout says, well, you're a top 15 pick.'" in the NFL draft and you know he has a great game in the in the Big 12 championship against the Gundy defense that he struggled against and he has a great game uh you know and we get in the college football playoffs and Texas in the college and he wins a game there and he goes and plays for a national championship well the odds are stronger that he leaves right but if they lose to Oklahoma State and he has a really bad game the odds are greater that he comes back can Arch sit out one more year probably he can't leave until he's three years in anyway, so that would give him one year to play as a starter and then possibly another. He know he also knows that if he's the backup next year, he's probably going to get playing time, and he's going to play for that number one spot. So, I, I mean, I get it, but it's all clickbait, Locksmith Ryan. It's all clickbait. Uh, this text says, Ardub says, love the show intro. Those are my buddies. It's the heebie-jeebies. It's a track from their album, Grateful. They've kind of morphed into a band now called ADH Project, if you want to check them out. Really awesome band. The ADH Project and Tahibi Jeeves was awesome too. Nate has the prediction already. 31-17 win is what he has got there. This Dexter says their top twin their top four is Georgia, Michigan, Washington, Florida State. That's about where I'm at as well. Uh Sergeant Cake says MVP is Javondre Sweat or hell, even the whole D-line. They were dominant this year. Even against OU, they were dominant. I'm with you. I think Sweat is a pretty good case for it. Because this team has seemed to become in, you know, in its more dominant days, a defensive team than an offensive team, and I know they put up 57 points, but if you say this team is not great in the red zone offensively and great in the red zone defensively, I think the D-line gets a lot of credit there, and Tavondre Sweat is the leader of that. Jonathan Brooks, MVP, is what this texter says. Uh, MVP before injury, X would get it then. Jay Brooks is definitely on that list as well. Carried Texas through some games where I don't know if they win those games if Jay Brooks doesn't play as he is. Uh, they also have their top four, Georgia, Michigan, Washington, and Florida State. 
I like that. A lot of people going with the undefeateds in that order. You're not going to let Ohio State jump into there. You're not going to let uh, Oregon jump into there. I'm with you on that one. This texture says one Texas, two Texas, three Texas, four Texas. I think that might be a little bit Homer. Maybe a little bit. That's But I like you fighting for it in the room. Get them all the points they can. Uh, we got to take. We're gonna play a clip from you from uh, Jerry Hamilton was on uh, with Aaron Hogan this morning. It's a really good clip. Anytime we can get Jerry Hamilton and listen to what he has to say about recruiting, about the news around college football. Uh, so we're gonna play you that clip. We're gonna get back to your text. Keep sending in five one two four four seven three seven seven six. Who is your top four right now, and who's your MVP for the season for Texas? Send those in. We're gonna keep the show rolling. Play this interview, and hopefully, we'll get a little bit closer to knowing where those college football playoff rankings are coming out in just a few minutes right here on the Sports Complex. Hey, can we go to the Vaqueros hotline? He is uh, one of our favorites. He is the uh, senior national recruiting analyst for On3 Sports and Inside Texas, a great friend of ours. He's Jerry Hamilton. What's up, G? Uh, Not much, man. Not a lot going on this week at all, right? Yeah, not a lot going on. And we got lots to talk about. I appreciate you doing this. Uh, (laughs) Hey, listen, let me start with this, because I want to talk some Texas and Oklahoma State before we get into some recruiting and what's to come with the portal and everything that you're trying to follow and cover uh, at a very high level. What, uh, well, tell me about Ollie Gordon coming out of Euless Trinity and the type of player he was and what the Longhorns are dealing with. Amazing to me that Ollie Gordon only had 19 carries over the first three games, um, but once Mike Gundy settled on him as the, the, the engine of their offense, he, he might be running his way to the Doak Walker Award. Yeah, very, very interesting, uh, you know, player and prospect. Look, Euless Trinity wasn't the powerhouse they once were when he came out. I think maybe he was overlooked a little bit. With that being said, he was a four-star running back. He was the number 15-ranked running back in the in the country in the on-three industry ranking. He was a guy that Texas offered a, a couple of days before signing day. Um, and Mike Gundy actually kind of laughingly made reference uh, to that yesterday in the press conference when – Asked what you know? What does Oklahoma State do when the Blue Bloods, like a Texas, comes in and offers one of their players late? And it was in reference to Ollie Gordon and Mike, and Mike Gundy laughingly said, "Oh yeah, you mean twelve hours before signing day?" <laughs> so I thought, I thought that was actually pretty funny. But Ollie Gordon is a physical back, a multi-sport athlete. You know, he grew up in that DFW area on the same youth football teams with. Uh, you know, some guys on the Texas team. There's a lot of familiarity in this game. There's a lot of guys from Dallas, a lot of guys from Texas on this Oklahoma State roster as normal. In fact, of the 33 prospects that have been drafted in the Mike Gundy era at Oklahoma State, 16 are from Texas, and the majority of those are from DFW area or East Texas. So, yeah, but Ollie was a physical player. He's a long-armed guy. Uh, I can tell you this. What happened there this year was they started the season with a three-quarterback rotation. And Ollie Gordon wasn't the hardest practice player, the, the guy that was going as hard as other people in practice. And I think, I, I think Mike Gunning and that staff had to get him to go, totally buy in. Um, they also had to stop the three-quarterback system, and they decided on Alan Bowman. And all that happened about the same time. And even though they've had that loss against Iowa State, that's when they started to come together. Um, and when he settled on Bowman, and when they changed the run game from more of a zone scheme to a pull-through power scheme. I mean, and that's where they've gone, and that fits Ollie Gordon. Uh, and I think Mike Gundy's done a great job of getting that kid to maximize what he can do this year. And like you said, Aaron, he's probably going to win the Doke. Yeah, Doak Walker Award. It might have been Jonathan Brooks running to that uh, award had he not gotten injured against TCU. 
um, than the season he was having. But we've seen this Longhorn backfield, and that's you know that's another side to this game. You know, you know, it's amazing we're you know going to be going to drill down on this the Longhorn first trip to the championship game since 2018. And Quinn, yours should be the story. But we're talking about these running backs. I mean, uh, Tashard Choice. I mean, Steve Sarkeesian. They're doing a heck of a job. You co- you cover you cover these guys on the recruiting trail coming out of high school. But uh, so not surprising for you to see a guy like Jaden Blue or a guy like Savion Red stepping in and running the way they were. I mean, this has been pretty impressive as the Longhorns with C.J. Baxter going down was down to their you know third, fourth, fifth running backs, and they still ran all over Texas Tech. No, they did. And, and, and the thing about it is, is they're all different backs. That's the good thing for Sark, right? I mean, C.J. Baxter fits that inside zone scheme. I mean, he fits it, and he's got great hands, and he's really good in pass pro for a young back. Jaden Blue, more of a home run hitter, right? You want to get him in space. You want to get him the ball on the edges. Uh, now, you got if you block it clean inside for him and he gets a crease, yeah, he makes a play like you saw against Texas Tech. Um, he doesn't necessarily fit the inside zone run scheme. And people are like, well, he's running tougher. Yeah, he's running tougher. But I'm, we're thinking more SEC next year and the large humans that are lined up across your from your large human and how does that play into it. But if they can get Jaden Blue in space, they can get the ball out of the backfield. Uh, and they can hit, he can hit that home run on those a few car- uh, occasional carry. While he is running tougher, he's never going to be a downhill power back. But he has got a lot of home run, uh, big play, chunk yardage play uh, ability in him. Savion Red just run, I, I say runs pissed off. I mean, that, that's what yeah. he does. That guy is angry on contact. He drops his pads. He is going to ma- He is not the fastest guy. He probably he might would lose the forty yard dash contest among the running backs. But that guy runs with a physicality that you rarely see in a great running back field. Um, and so I, I think, yeah, I think the and the guys coming in, Aaron, Christian Clark, tremendous talent out of uh, Phoenix area. I think he is a big-time guy. I think he fits the scheme perfectly with an NFL running back body type. Jarrett Gibson, Florida's still trying to fight Texas there. Jarrett Gibson, 5'10", 207 pounds, a downhill back, really fits the scheme as well. Uh, so Texas has uh, two more guys on the way that are really talented as well. That's why we love talking to Jerry Hamilton. Jerry, we, we get in some debates because there are Longhorn fans uh, talking. You know, they, they go into the Big 12 title game. It's their last game in the Big 12, regardless of what happens beyond it. And uh, we saw the SEC schedule and the dates kind of trickle out yesterday from Chris Lowe at ESPN and the, the showdown here with Georgia uh, in, in October, and the, the game with Arkansas at Fayetteville, the game with A&M on November 30th. Uh, and, and there's still some Longhorn fans who feel like, hey, uh, why are we moving to the SEC? Why did we make this call? Why didn't we just stay here now that uh, you know the four corner schools are joining and they've made the additions? We'd be better off here. You've made it clear in our visits that you know this, these recruiting halls the Longhorns are, are bringing in wouldn't be happening if the Longhorns were not moving to the SEC starting next year? 100%. I mean, look, Cedric Baxter would not be at Texas right now. As great of a, a, a relationship builder and coach to short choices, he wasn't coming to Texas if they were in the Big 12. And that's opened up the state of Florida for Texas in recruiting. Um, it's opened up the really Louisiana more so. It's just a different response you get from kids. And then I, I, let's be real, like Brandon Baker, the offensive tackle from modern day, who's going to sign with Texas here in a, in a few weeks and, and roll early. He pretty much came down to SEC schools plus Oregon and Nebraska. So it wasn't even Pac-12 out there. It was SEC or Big Ten. I mean, these kids, DeAndre Carter, his teammate who Texas lost out on the Auburn, he's going to play in the SEC from modern day. 
This thing carries from coast to coast because these kids have grown up watching the SEC dominate college football, whether people think some of the teams are overrated or not. Now look, I'm just talking from a kid's point of view. They see every national championship. They see the awards. They see the NFL draft. And when you put those three things together, you have a powerful force in recruiting. So why did Texas move to the SEC? So they can maximize their force. And I think it's a powerful force when they're winning. And, and, and Sarkeesian, look, I mean, would Arch Manning have still gone to Texas if Texas was in the Big 12? I mean, maybe, but maybe not. The whole family's played in the SEC. I mean, it's an SEC family if there ever was one. Two at Ole Miss, one at Tennessee, radio shows. I mean, everything's SEC with that family. So, Derek Williams, last year out of Louisiana, would he have come to Texas if they're staying in the Big 12? I mean, look at the schools he was really considering. They were SEC schools. That's just where this is at. And in the state of Texas, um, you know, these kids know if you go and talk to them, you know, when they get that initial list of schools when they're 16 years old or 15, when they start getting recruited, I'm telling you, five out of seven, five out of the top seven in most kids' lists are SEC schools. Then you throw in an Ohio State, maybe if they like out West USC. That's just the reality of where recruiting is. And Sarkeesian built the staff uh, knowing Texas was going to the SEC uh, to make the most of it. Uh, great stuff with Jerry Hamilton, Longhorns. Uh, we'll play their final Big 12 conference game ever coming up on Saturday. Hey, uh, Jerry, the uh, the hire of Mike Elko at Texas A&M, uh, and how does it resonate with you, and uh, how does it resonate with recruiting? I know he mentioned the Texas high school coaches yesterday at his intro press conference. He's going to try to rebuild some of those relationships. Uh, that's the main rival and the, and the main recruiting rival, along with Oklahoma. How does Mike Elko resonate with uh, with recruits, you think? You know, I think it, what's interesting is when a coach is hired, I always I, the first thing I do is, okay, at, let's see what happens after he fills out a staff. Who does he put on that staff? Because that is so key in recruiting. Um, and I think because Elko was at A&M and he understands the state, um, you know, I think he's, uh, he'll keep Elijah Robinson, which is a key for uh, defensive line and keeping those guys on the team. Because there were a lot of Twitter goodbyes being written uh, a few, about 48, 72 hours ago. Um, that weren't published, but they were being written. So keeping those guys, the ones intact that they want to keep in the program, I think that's big. Uh, but I, I, it's, it'll be interesting to see who he fills out his staff with. Like I said, I don't think he's coming in green with not an understanding of, of the staff he needs to put together to, to maximize recruiting in Texas. Uh, so I, I, th- I, think they'll, I think they'll do fine. I think Mike Elko has enough of a feel to do fine. Him himself, I, I mean, you know, to be determined, there's just not – I think he's I think he's good with coaches. Um, how is he going to resonate with kids? I think that really comes down to how many games you win. I mean, he needs to have a good first season at Texas A&M. I mean, he's not coming in with a bare cupboard now. I mean, this, uh, you know, it's, it, there's a lot of talent on that, on that team. They've just got to piece together some of the positions in need. Um, they got to keep their quarterbacks healthy. They got to better on the offensive line. But I mean, there's a lot of defensive line talent. There's some good young players in that secondary if they all stick around. Um, there's some good young running backs. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with an Evan Stewart if Damian Craig's not on that staff. Maybe Evan Stewart comes back to Texas A&M. Not out of the question because I think if Damian Craig w- w- is retained, there's no chance he comes back. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens with Elko's offensive staff, and I think he understands and knows all these things that I'm talking about. So it gives him an opportunity to have success. 
Jerry Hamilton. Last thing, Jerry, you talk to these coaches uh, all over college football and the high school coaches. Is there any way to put into perspective how busy this December gets starting Monday, whether you're playing in the playoff and you're Sark or not, or you're getting ready for a bowl game? The portal, you're trying to close a, a, you know, the 2024 recruiting class on December the 20th. That window opens uh, while you're trying to get ready for a bowl game, while you're trying to re-recruit your own roster to keep them out of the portal. Uh, you, you know, that's why we see these staffs continuing to grow with people. You just need as many hands on deck to yeah. handle the next couple of weeks starting Monday. Yeah, you have to have an NFL type of personnel department these days. There is no Mike Gundy talked about it in his press conference yesterday. Um, he said all our coaches after the game Saturday, they won't go back to Stillwater. They'll scatter to go recruit. I mean, that's where we're at. I mean, that Big 12 championship games it ends an hour and a half later. You're on the road recruiting. I mean, just think about that. You know, they go back with your team. You're hitting the road recruiting. The portal is madness. I mean, just I mean, like. The linebacker from Vanderbilt, the team captain, put his name in the portal. Uh, Will Howard put his name in the portal, or announced he's going to put his name in the portal already. I think it's going to be – I'm not sure it's going to be wild this year, but I think it's going to be a little bit more so than last year. Um, I, I think this is the first year that I think we're really going to test the limits of, uh, of the portal. Uh, because just when you see the, the, the captain of the Vanderbilt football team put his name in the portal, I mean, that's just – that's the thing you didn't think you would see in college football four years ago. And I know, look, he's, he's been there a while, and he, he's got an t- opportunity to go win. And I mentioned he's a flyer Mount Marcus kid. Uh, so I think it's going to be crazy. These coaches, I mean, look, this, these next three weeks for them, like you said, Aaron, and if you're in the college football playoff, I mean, just think about yeah. dealing with all that. And the craziest thing, Aaron, <laughs> is let's say Texas wins Saturday. And let's say they get in the college football playoff. There's going to be kids exiting the program at Texas on a team preparing for a playoff game. That's how wild college football is right now. Yeah, because they got to, you know, if they're on the depth chart down and they want to make a move, they're going to have to jump in early. Uh, it is crazy times, but always good stuff with Jerry Hamilton. They have to, ju- they have to, jump, in to, they have to jump in to get a spot somewhere. You can't wait until no, uh, January 2nd. I mean, you're, you're, you're no. too far behind if you're a kid that's leaving a school. And I'm looking for the, the spot for you, and that's uh, the way college football works now. Like it or like it or hate it, uh, that's the task. Longhorns will be fine with that, just as they're playing the college football playoff uh, or maybe getting ready for the Cotton Bowl or the Fiesta Bowl, depending on how things fall on Sunday. Hey, Jerry, thanks so much. Uh, Chester Jerry at Inside Texas, of course, on 3 Sports, on their YouTube channel as well, on Texas Football. He's got a show coming up at 8 o'clock on uh, Coffee and Football, which is always great. Jerry, thanks so much, my friend. Appreciate you jumping in. You got it, man. Talk to you sooner. All right, there's Jerry Hamilton. There you go. There's your layout. Uh, recruiting, bowl games, uh, portal. <laughs> it's crazy times. He also gave a good thumbnail on Ollie Gordon, this Longhorn running back room, and the Longhorns move to the Southeastern Conference. Good stuff there. Always good to hear from Jerry Hamilton. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, text line 512-447-3776, asking who your MVP for Texas is for this season, for the full season, and we're asking you who is your current top four if you had to put out your ranking as we're waiting for the college football playoff ranking here in about 20, 25 minutes. Uh, we'll get to your text when we get back here on the Sports Complex in the Horn 1019 AM 1260, the Then come on across to me We'll hold hands and then we'll watch the sunrise Back on the Sports Complex here on the Horn 
Text lines open, 512-447-3776. We'll take a break at the top of the hour, come back, get into the college football playoff results, what they uh, what they put up for the rankings. As soon as those are out, we'll tell you what they are. Talk a little NBA in the 6 o'clock hour, too, uh, getting you ready for another great night of sports action uh, here on the Horn. But the text lines roll, 512-447-3776. We do try and get to everybody's text. We try to get to all of them in a show every single week. We're asking you this week, uh, who's your MVP this season for Texas? And we're also asking you, uh, who who is your top four right now? If you were in the college ball playoff room, what would your top four be? Uh, this texter says, George, uh, their MVP is Sweat Worthy. So a defensive and an offensive MVP there. And a special teams, I guess, as well with Xavier Worthy. And uh, their top four is Georgia, Michigan, FSU, and Texas. FSU getting in there, getting a little love from uh, – I think FSU and Washington are hard, but they both didn't play a great schedule. And, uh, you know, without Jordan Travis, I, I don't know how much that's going to affect it, but we will see. Uh, the, this texter has Georgia, Michigan, Washington, Florida State, and subject to change, of course. MVP is Jonathan Brooks. I can go with Jonathan Brooks. I think he offensively is definitely on that list for sure. Uh, just what he meant to this team uh, until his injury. This texter says, it's Arbor Horn 81, says, my regular season MVP is Tavondre Sweat. He, set, he has spearheaded that defense all season long, and the Horns would not be where they are without that defense. My top four right now in order are Georgia, Michigan, Washington, Florida State, you got to have the undefeated teams at the top, unfortunately. Let's go Louisville. Yeah, I think Louisville you're up there for. And then the question of Oregon, if you figure they'd put Oregon ahead of Texas, they have all season. But we'll see after the big win against Tech, a good win against Iowa State. If And maybe Oregon State put up a little bit of a fight there against Oregon. If, if they decide to allow Texas to move ahead of Oregon at this point, if they're still keeping the Pac-12 above, we'll get those answers soon enough. Another text coming in. Man, Coach Rodney from Rosebud Lots. Uh, I'm going to the game on Saturday with kickoff at 11 o'clock. What time do all the festivities start beforehand? Hoping uh, to have for a great game. And my MVP of the season is Sweat. He's been kicking ass all season long. He's making us making our run defense what it is. Uh, I know that from what we talked about this morning, we had a meeting this morning. Our pregame show is going to be from 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. for everyone who's driving up to the game. If you want us, we're going to be trying to do it. I'm going to be joining the pregame show as well. So it should be myself. Uh, if Rob Babers is feeling better, well, hopefully he'll be feeling better by then. Uh, he'll be on the show. Aaron Hogan will be on the show as well. Uh, maybe Ty will even come in. We're going to talk, and we're going to go for three full hours, 8 to 11 a.m., uh, getting you ready for the game. I don't know what festivities of tailgating. If I had to guess, tailgating festivities will be starting uh, very early. I don't know what Jerry World tailgating rules are, but I'm assuming things will be kicking off Six or seven in the morning, uh, people will already be out there drinking. So I'm sure you can get to that. But if you're driving up to the game, we'll have your pregame show for you starting at 8 a.m. on Saturday. Dexter says, Georgia, Michigan, Oregon, Bama. That's got to be your end of your end of uh, season right there. You can't have two undefeated teams out in Bama in over Texas. That's a come on. Come on there. That's that's just crazy. That's just crazy. 
All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll get to more of your texts. We'll get to the college football playoff rankings. Keep sending in those texts of who's your top four, who is your MVP for the season, and anything else you want to talk about in the 6 o'clock hour, we got time to talk to you there as well. So keep sending in those texts, 512-447-3776. We'll be back on the Sports Complex and hopefully have you some more college football playoff rankings right around the corner here on the Sports Complex and the Horn 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com.